0: My name's Libby Tozer and you're listening to the She's Seen podcast. Today I'm interviewing Carmen, who I'll get her to introduce herself in a minute properly, but this is part of the Ocean Waste exhibition and Carmen's going to bring a medical perspective. So I'm really excited and really grateful for you sharing some of your knowledge with us, Carmen. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, Libby. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's lovely to be able to chat about uh, something that's relative to the work that you're doing. So yeah, I can dive straight into it if you like, and and have a talk about what I do. Yeah, go
0: for it. If, yeah, if you give us a bit of a bit of a background about yeah, yeah, yeah sure who you are, who you are, and what you do, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a medical doctor, and I work in both a clinical role and in a public health role. And I've been lucky enough this year to venture out from Adelaide and do some work in more of our rural locations in South Australia. And so one of those places that I've been working is Port Peary. And I've been doing some public health work there lately around, I guess, getting the public health messages out around lead and in particular what that means for the recreational fishers in the area who like to go and and fish in that zone around Port Peary because there are some public health messages that people need to be aware of in terms of the heavy metal contamination of the seafood there. So here here we go a bit of a background I guess of of how it all came about. So for people that don't know Port Pirie there is a multi-metals facility there but it's been a a lead smelter in continuous operation for 130 years and so that's something that over those years has resulted in um, a lot of lead in the environment and some other metals as well and so a couple of years ago the smelter tested some of the sediments at the bottom of the river and the bay area there to check the levels of the metals. And they found that some of those were high. And so they then went about asking the fisheries department to test some of the marine animals that were living in the waters there to see if they also contained levels of metals that might be harmful to people's health. And so... That led to some research that was done and then the health department interpreted that research to find out, you know, what is the health risk for people that might be eating some of that seafood. And so we don't know the levels of heavy metals in every single species there, but blue swimmer crabs and mussels and razor fish and a few different species of fish were tested So for a little bit of an understanding about how it all works, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm no marine biologist by any means, but I guess to understand it, if you think about these animals and where they live, they, they live and they feed at different depths of the ocean. So they've got different amounts of contact with the metals in the sand at the bottom so you probably know more about this than me Libby you've spent more time in the ocean <laughs> than I don't,
0: know. I have, I don't so. think so but you know I was, just, I was just thinking oh my gosh I'm horrified at the <laughs> I, at the little into the little self-recording thing I did for the <laughs> exhibition and the some of the interesting facts if you're listening to that one take it all with a I'm not a scientist grain of salt <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so. makes
0: me think, all those things that you think of make me think I spent a lot of time at York's as a kid growing up and those were all the things that we would spend hours hunting for and cooking up on the fire or eating later at the night at night time which I guess is and that's the kind of behavior or the kind of people that you're talking about mm. that would be exposing themselves to this same sort of
1: yeah, yeah, because it's, yep. a, it's a really nice thing to do, right, to to be able yeah. to go and, and catch things yourself and eat them. And so, yeah, I guess understanding how it all works and what's contaminated in these zones is important for people that want to do that. Like I was saying, they, they live and they feed at different depths, so they've got the different contact with the metals, which fall to the bottom. So we're talking about these heavy metals in the sediment at the bottom there. Razorfish which are not fish, they're actually a a mollusk, which is something I learned. They bury in the sand and they have the most contact with any pollution that's there in the sediment. So they're the the highest risk in terms of contamination. Mussels and crabs are also up there in terms of risk. Fish living at, at the different depths of the ocean, they have less contact with the metals. But of course, those fish that eat the smaller fish and crustaceans, they can build up the heavy metals in that way. Yep. So understanding that, then we can go on to what was actually found from the the research. So a number of heavy metals were tested, but the ones that were concerning were the lead and the cadmium. So these ones were found to be in high enough quantities in the seafood to you know, cause a, a risk to human health if they were, if they were eating too much or some of them, you know, if you, if you even eat a razorfish, for example, if you, ha- if you eat razorfish from these waters once a month, then the public health guideline is, you know, that's enough to tip you over that threshold that, that's safe. Okay. So. What they've done, it's a little bit hard, I guess, when we don't have a visual of it, but they've mapped out some areas around that area in Port Piri and they've they've zoned them. So there's Zone 1 and Zone 2. And Zone 1 is the zone that's closest to Port Piri and that kind of extends north up to Waruna Island. And then as you go further north of that, you've got Zone 2 and that extends up past Port Germain and I believe it goes up to around Barrows Beach around that that area there but you've got less of a risk in zone 2 generally speaking than you do in zone 1 so I could probably attach that map to Yeah, yeah. So look, everything I'm talking about, we've got available on the SA Health website as well. So I'm not really, I'm not sort of talking about anything that you couldn't find yourself on the website there. But yeah, it's always nice, I guess, to have it explained. So yeah,
0: definitely. I'll and I'll find a link and pop it in the show notes of the podcast. So if people want to look at it, they can.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, there's heaps. Yeah, there is heaps of info um, on the website and, and links and things. So. I can certainly provide that to you after if that's helpful. I guess the thing to be aware of is that not all species were tested recently. So things like octopus and squid. So we don't know, but there have been, there have been studies done on these things in the past and they have been found to have some level of contamination. I I can't really speak exactly what it was, but I guess taking that into account that's how we've come up with these guidelines about what you should and shouldn't eat. So, I guess before we go into, you know, what what the guidelines are, it's good to understand how the lead and cadmium adversely affect health and why we need to put these warnings out there. Yeah, so,
0: definitely. And the yeah. sorry, can I? I was just yeah, go for I it. as well because I don't know Port very well. So the mm-hmm. so the lead so that's been there for 130 years. Is that what you?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So the smelter has been in in yeah continuous operation for that long. Yeah.
0: So all the heavy metals, like byproduct byproducts basically from the smelter.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And
0: do they do they just so does it, does it is there has there been like runoff that goes straight into the ocean or is it because th- you said something about a river or something as well? So is
1: it? Yeah. So. I guess if you don't know Port Piri, it's hard to understand it, but you've got, you've got the ocean and then you've got, um, the Port Piri river, which sort of winds its way in, t- into Port Piri. And so you've got the smelter kind of sitting along that area where the river is. Okay. So, so you get a lot of people that I guess are like, you can fish in that region, you know, you can, yeah. you can get in your boat and, and, you know, there's crabs and, Razorfish, fish and so it's been a very popular fishing spot for a long time yeah. because you know it's a nice spot but yeah. i guess that's why it's even more important to have this information out there yeah because it looks pretty enticing <laughs> to jump in and go fishing in some of these areas where um, you know you might catch something and not realize that it's contaminated with yes. these metals that can be harmful yeah and i think it The important thing is that we've taken out of this is that the risks are different for different groups of the population. And that's why it's important to explain, you know, how lead in particular affects health. So, look, lead, it's something that a bit of background. Yes, we have lead in the environment there from the smelter. We have been exposed to lead in days gone by from lead in petrol. So when that, oh, when, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know if you're old enough, Libby, <laughs> when I was younger, there was leaded petrol. And so everybody was exposed to a lot more lead. Um, okay. In Australia, you know, in many parts of the world than we are now, because when yep. they remove lead from petrol, it, it went down significantly. So, that's just a little bit of a background in, in let, of lead and how yes. much we've all been exposed to it. But one of the reasons that we need to be aware of it is that it, it's bad for our health. There's no safe level of lead. Okay. So lead is something, it, it, it's an element that's very similar to iron and it's very similar to calcium. And mm-hmm. so our bodies absorb lead. The main, look, there's many different ways of, of, of getting it into the body. Um, and the main one I talk about is ingestion, so swallowing it, because that's pretty relevant to this seafood discussion. Um, but it's also, you know, if you have lead dust in the air, that also tends to be how you end up getting it into your body because it goes in the mouth and you swallow it and, and it's absorbed through your gut. So anything in the body that uses iron or calcium can, you know, use lead instead and then that obviously the lead doesn't work in the same way as those things and so that's when you run into problems. Lead is mostly our most our biggest concern with lead is on the development of a developing baby or a young child's nervous system. Okay. So our neurotransmission in our body we use a lot of calcium in that and the lead competes with the calcium and this is particularly in things like learning so for example there's been some research that shows you know a reduction in iq of one to three points for every increase in lead of 10 micrograms per deciliter that's the measurement we use when we measure blood lead so that i mean that's just to, I guess, to put it into context that we do have some understanding that lead adversely affects a developing nervous system. Yeah, that's pretty full on. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as, you know, there's so much development going on in utero, in the developing fetus, and then after birth, you know, in those first few years of life, there's, so much going on with the nervous system that's when it's most vulnerable and so that's when we really want to make sure that we're minimizing exposure to lead for those young children developing babies so with these seafood guidelines they've looked at all of the levels of lead and they've said look in these zones zone one and zone two and then that other area that sort of goes a little bit further north up to Barrows Beach, young children and anyone under five years of age really and people who are pregnant, they really shouldn't eat any seafood in any of these areas, and that's just to be on the safe side. And then you've got, you know, people that also might be at risk because lead forms free radicals in the body, and then when you have a chronic exposure to lead, you know, free radicals was That this contributes to cardiovascular disease, if your lead levels are really high, it, it can interfere with the with iron in your body, and you can ha- end up with anemia. It would have to be pretty high for that. But, you know, th- there is the chance of that happening if you, you have high enough levels. It, yeah. it binds to enzymes. It alters their activity. Um, It interferes with vitamin D synthesis. It interferes with the, the synthesis of our cell membranes. And, you know, so there's lots and lots going on.
0: It's pretty so, full on. You know,
1: it's pretty full on. Anyone that's, you know, got a chronic health condition it you know, needs to be a little bit more careful as well. So look, that's lead. The other heavy metal that I was going to talk about was the cadmium because that one was also found to be high. Um, yeah, so other- cadmium, yeah, look, we don't hear as much about cadmium, but yeah, look, this one is particularly bad for kidneys and for bone health. So, so cadmium is a heavy metal. It is. Yeah. So it's another metal and I guess, again, anyone with kidney disease or diabetes or bone disease is going to be at an increased risk of being exposed to cadmium. Cadmium is in cigarettes. So people that smoke already have a lot of uh, oh, okay. cadmium in their body. And so it, you know, there's, there's guidelines that have been developed that say, you know, this is a safe level of cadmium, you know, daily exposure of cadmium. Anything you go above that is unsafe. And so okay. to put it, to put it simply, if you eat, too much of this seafood you're going to be getting too much cadmium. So yeah. our bodies are pretty good at I guess detoxifying it if you like. So <laughs> there are proteins in the liver and the kidney that bind with it and prevent it from having any toxic effects. But you get you then reach a level where those protective mechanisms are overwhelmed and then you end up with the free cadmium and that's what's causing the damage. So in the kidney, for example, you you have the cells in the kidney that are you know Taking this cadmium, binding it to the, to the proteins, but then that, that capacity, that detoxifying capacity of the cells is eventually surpassed mm-hmm. and then you get the free cadmium, it causes damage to those kidney cells, you get inflammation, you can end up with scarring and injury to the kidney. Okay. There's also an effect on bone that's not well understood. There's a uh, hypothesis that suggests that it accumulates in the kidney and then causes uh, problems with vitamin D metabolism or it okay. could be directly toxic on the bones. But, yeah, look, that's my my medical spiel about <laughs> what these heavy metals do to the body. <laughs> um, that's interesting because I'm like, we, I think we hear, yeah, I find it super interesting and then I'm
0: like, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting and then I've going a few places, but... But as far as the lead goes, we don't have like there's there's not a detoxification process sort of for lead. Is that's it? right? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. And so look, lead it's taken up into the body and it's stored in our tissues and our bones, and some of it's excreted out through the kidney. But it has a half life of about thirty days, I think, in the in in the blood. So when you're testing your blood level of lead, it does take a long time to go down when I say a long time it's all relative but yes. you know you you if you're chronically exposed to it and you're building it up and building it up and building it up in your body can actually store quite a large amount of lead in your the tissues and like in your bones for example but your blood level will eventually come down but you've still got all of that lead stored in your your bones and so okay. if you um so as an example Take things like osteoporosis or breaking a bone or pregnancy, when you then have increased bone turnover. Yep, that's when a, when the lead that's stored in the bones can be released and come back, you know, into oh, the bloodstream and, okay. and and cause a problem again. So, yeah, it's interesting. That there's it's very hard to just get rid of it because a lot of it you won't get rid of. It'll just be stored that way in your body, yep. and. What I'm talking about really is the small amounts that are ingested over a period of time that build up. Mm-hmm. That's very different to an a, like an acute high exposure. So that would be like a, you know, like an a, I guess you think about it like a poisoning or you know an acute yeah. toxicity. So yeah. if you then if you had an exposure that was very very high all of a sudden and your blood level went really high, and then you might start. Then you would be worried about things like. Seizures, for example. And luckily, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't see that with what, you know, what I'm talking about here with eating the seafood. I, I don't know, <laughs> nothing's impossible, I guess. But it's more about the <laughs> the chronic exposure and eating small amounts of it all the time because you don't notice what you're doing. You don't feel sick. It's not like you, you know, like when you eat some bad food and you feel like, oh, that wasn't right. I don't feel well in, the, in my stomach. It's not like that. You can be completely unaware of it. Um, yep. And it sort of has that, those chronic effects on your health that are very slow to develop and might not even be apparent until sometime down the track. Yep. And what else was I going to go into? I think, I think those were the main messages and, and it is tricky because with anything like this, It's not like, you know, if we're talking about an infectious disease where you catch it, you know, you've got it and you're sick and then you don't want to catch it again. It's it's hard to get those public health messages out there when it's something that the effect is down the track, you know. So it's you've got to make sure people understand the risk and then they can decide, you know, if they're going to eat that seafood, at, at, at least, you know maybe have a chat with their GP and get a a blood test. Lead's, you know, not hard to test for. We um, do blood lead testing quite a bit. Cadmium's a lot harder to test for with the blood test. So we tend to use lead as the surrogate marker for what the cadmium might be for people that are eating seafood from these regions. Okay.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, not cool. Fascinating.
1: (laughs) Not cool. Not cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> not cool, <laughs> but hey, we're lucky with, not cool, but we're, we're pretty lucky that we've got this information out there, um, Absolutely. so that people know because yeah, if, if we didn't know, then a lot more people would probably be just eating this seafood and um, building up those levels of lead and cadmium in their bodies to an unhealthy level. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I feel, I feel like it keeps popping, the anxiety, head in me Uh, (laughs) it was like we need like we almost need to cover like if you have if you're listening to this and you're from Port Perry or something and you have have accidentally exposed your kids or your family. I don't think carrying guilt around that is this is not
1: a medical profession. No, no <laughs> that's medical, right. And um just and I think, Yeah, about that. Just yeah exactly. Exactly. The flip side of that is there are lots and lots of things. Like if we're talking about neurodevelopment, okay. Yeah. There are lots and lots of things that are really, really important to the healthy development of a nervous system of a child. And look, yes, lead has an adverse impact on that, but there's a lot of other things that have a really positive impact and they can offset some of that um, negative impact of the lead. So, you know, just being nurtured as you're developing and having a good diet and being surrounded by people that care from you and having an enriched learning environment, those things are really, really important to good development and they can have a much greater impact on a time in your life when maybe your lead went too high, you know, so we do try and Get that message across as well that you know it can be quite anxiety provoking <laughs> because that's what we're, we're harping on about is how bad it is. But there are a lot of good things that yeah can can offset any negative effects of things like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm
0: so grateful. Thank you so much for going through all of this with us because I think from what I've learnt with this exhibition and the and just looking into ocean ocean waste in general like it's it's fascinating and it but it quite often starts in the river and like the river murray at the moment is in a under mm. a flood event so i was so even yeah. there and they're having trouble with you know runoff and it's coming from like <laughs> this mm. the water's coming from floods in queensland and new south wales and coming down here so i hate to think what's in the river <laughs> what's in the yeah in the water yeah we get the end down, of it don't we Yeah, pumping out here, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think all of this is just to have a little bit of awareness of that, but also just we're, we're so connected to the environment and there's not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We can't separate ourselves from the environment. Yeah. Health and the environment are separate. You can't, you can't separate those things and say that we'll, you know, if one's not doing so well, then the other will be fine. It's, It's not quite like that.
0: Yeah, and this is, and just as you were saying, like this plant, this plant in particular in Port Perry is 130 years old and there would be similar things mm. all over the whole country. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, that's then, right. That's right. So we've got a lot of legacy contamination that, you know, we've got to deal with from, you know, many, many years ago. And so even though things can operate really well now and, and you know, be a lot cleaner in the way they operate now, th- there's still things from the past that are lingering. And that's important because we can't just ignore that, obviously, and and that takes a lot of, yeah, thinking around and how to get around that. The other thing, Libby, I was going to mention is because, before I forget, this whole topic that I've been talking about is it's about recreational fishing and it's not about commercial fishing because there are any any commercial fishing that's done – seafood that's caught goes through testing because it has to be tested for heavy metals to make sure you know that nothing is over that you know what what the guidelines are there are Australian guidelines around what's acceptable to be sold in in seafood to be sold you know where whether it's in the fish and chip shop or the supermarket wherever you're buying that sort of seafood from that that's different so not to alarm people that (laughs) you know the fish that they're buying from you know, their local shop might be caught in these waters because, um, no, that's different.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is literally taking,
1: yeah, taking the boat out on the
0: weekend or crabbing in the, yeah, the area or. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it is, and it's these zones, you know, so I can't speak for other places because this is really just what we know, um, from the research that's been done in, in these zones. But yeah, like I said, it's all on the SA Health website. And so there's lots of things you can read about if you're interested in it and I guess particularly if you're living or visiting those areas yeah amazing thank you
0: so much for sharing some of your knowledge and yeah and chatting to me I'm really grateful and thank you very much
1: thank you so much for your time Libby as well and good luck Thanks for listening to She Has Seen the podcast. I would love it
0: if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or review to help us grow this wonderful community which you're welcome to join and be part of in whatever way works for you. You can connect with us more on the socials or online at She Has Seen Movement. We would love to hear from you, so reach out, get involved and help us shift shame by sharing stories. Thank you for being here and showing up. This is your weekly reminder that you are enough exactly as you are in this moment. And actually, you're kind of amazing. So thank you, and we'll talk to you soon.